Hello and welcome in to a special episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Bit Dreams, and today I've got three guests. Yes, not one, not two, but three guests for you, all absolute executives, great people to talk with. First up, G Fuel CEO Cliff Morgan. Cliff, thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Really excited to talk to him. I don't think G Fuel needs much introduction to an esports audience, but they're a sponsor of most of the biggest streaming channels. Uh, they're sponsors of FaZe Clan, Team Caliber, and now Enthusiast Gaming. So we're going to be talking a lot about their role and their last eight years in the esports space and all the knowledge they've gained during that time. Next up, Enthusiast Gaming. We have the president, Menashe Kestenbaum. Menashe, thanks for joining. Thanks so much for having me. And we have the CEO, Adrian Montgomery. Adrian, you were just on this podcast about a month ago now, and it's been a really interesting month for everybody, of course. Uh, but especially for Enthusiast Gaming, yesterday, major headlines is the Vancouver Titans roster need to be released. Can you take me through what happened with that decision? Yeah, sure. Um, um, look, I think that um, the story of, of the Titans is one that I'm very, very uh, emotionally attached to. I was certainly involved when we put that deal together to get the Titans franchise with the Aquilini family, um, got the deal with Activision. Um, we're so proud when we got the, the runaway team to come en masse and, and join us. Um, we were a little bit nervous as the last expansion team to field a roster and a brand. I thought we were going to have to get into a fight with the NFL over the use of the word Titans and our friends in Tennessee, but we got that done and, and launched the team. Um, and I was also there um, in the Wells Fargo center in Philadelphia, rooting them on and so proud um, that we had that undefeated streak and went all the way to the grand finals. And um, sadly uh, we didn't win, but I've been there every step of the way. I think certainly as with every industry, COVID has um, issued its own set of challenges to the world of esports and the Titans. Um, we really wanted to move those players back to, to, to Korea uh, during this time, fell into the Asian division, which obviously put the games uh, at different times, very difficult times for our sponsors and our fans to, to keep track of. Um, and, and look, um, the decision was made to let the players try and find uh, new homes, um, you know, was, was, was made. Um, we tried our best, um, but these things happen in professional sports. And again, esports and sports are, um, are, are synonymous, right? So these things happen in professional sports. Um, we're so grateful for everything that they did, the memories that they made um, for the citizens of Vancouver and the fans and, um, we're going to have a new team that's going to be announced pretty soon. And um, we're really excited about moving forward. Yeah, the Titans were a, really a dominant force in the in the one season in the OWL. That team came coming from South Korea, winning 19 straight games and then barely losing in the finals uh, to the San Francisco Shock. Really a tough decision. And 
it wasn't the only one for enthusiast gaming over the last month. There was also the Rainbow Six roster, which Luminosity decided to release. Were those two decisions related? Were the factors similar or is this just COVID's crazy and it creates these really weird, unprecedented situations? No, the, the, the decisions aren't related. Certainly, we would point out that um, we're not the only owners of the Vancouver Titans uh, we have partners, and and they're involved in in every step of the decision making process as well as we are. You know, Rainbow Six. Um, we were certainly proud to enter that league. Um, and again, it's very fluid for us, right? It's very fluid in esports about being in game titles and and moving game titles, and obviously seeing you know the Overwatch MVP move to another game recently and. These things happen. What what we're proud of at Luminosity is we're investors in esports. We're investors in doing more with our teams. Um, we enthusiastically went from ownership of one Activision franchise team to two with the Seattle Surge. Um, we've put more content creators on our roster, guys like Fresh Asian, uh, in the middle of a very difficult time. So. We're really proud to grow our brand and to invest um, in in talent. And look, it's going to be fluid and there's going to be ads and subs and all kinds of changes. But um, I don't think there's anyone doing more to invest in their company than we are right now. Absolutely. It's, you know, anybody familiar with esports is well aware of roster turnover. And that's just something that comes with esports games come out of nowhere grow to be massive phenomenons and then fall away it's happened plenty of times throughout esports history so it's certainly not new to esports fans to see things like this although i think the one-two punch of sinatra leaving the shock and then the titans roster being released over the span of a week was a little jarring for a lot of people in esports just to see the grand finals of overwatch league season two sort of fall away very quickly uh, in a short time frame. But hey, this is what a global pandemic does. It creates these really weird situations and that's how it goes. Well, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, the last thing I would say on that though is it's kind of exciting to compare esports and the ups and downs and the jarring fan reactions, as you point out. You know, I think we're all quite riveted watching uh, the new Netflix Michael Jordan uh, Bulls documentary um, and you're seeing the same thing in the span of a season. Everyone would look at the Bulls as this fantastic success story, six championships. And in the span of one season, they had, um, you know, the coach uh, having his last season. You had Scottie Pippen demanding a trade. You had, um, you know, Jerry Krause saying that Michael Jordan, if he doesn't want to play for Phil Jackson, is going to find another home. Um, you know, and, and that was – that. That happened. That that's life. That's sports. Things happen, and they went on and and had a fabulous season and won a championship. And so you deal with these things, um, and you put your heart and soul into it. And you know, ultimately, we're going to be rewarded for it. And being local Torontonians, well, you know, Demar Derozan was a fan favorite, uh, traded for Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, it ended up for our first championship win. Kawhi then got traded. Uh, well, he signed elsewhere as well, but you know, there's, there's roster moves, and usually those are gut wrenching for a lot of fans, especially if they like 
um, if they like a particular player. But um, you know, an organization and a brand is is constantly evolving and thinking. You know, who do they want to sign? Where do they want to be involved with? Where are they going to get the best impact? And you know, the same thing along with the pandemic. Uh, we're we're you know signing and being aggressive more than ever um, on the back end in terms of the growth. So that's that's really great. But it, it just you know, uh, think of at one point we were in Smite and Hearthstone. Um, you know, those were our Hearthstone scene was pretty good back then, and that was a really hot title, and it was something that we invested a lot into. We're not in those games right now, and um, I think you know things as Adrian mentioned, they're they're very fluid, and we you know, we make moves and roster changes along with that. And for any type of release, you'll usually see alongside that uh, signings and new exciting news that will come along that that we think evolve the brand even better and grow it stronger over time. There's usually never a great reaction to roster moves and roster changes like that. You bring up the DeMar DeRozan example. As a Blazer fan, I remember when my friends were really mad that we traded Gerald Wallace for a Brooklyn Nets pick that turned out to be Damian Lillard. And, yeah. you know, no, no one's complaining about that trade anymore. Shocking how that, how that ends up working. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's quite interesting. And again, nothing new to esports. Esports incredibly fluid. Teams are entering games. They're leaving games. Streamers are on top of the world. And then they're falling back down a little bit. And no one knows more about the ups and downs of esports than G Fuel, one of the longest running endemic brand partners of so many esports organizations, so many streamers. Cliff, can you take us through that decision back in 2012 to really focus in on esports back when people weren't really doing it and brands especially were not recognizing the opportunity this space had? Sure. Um, you know, our roots are in sports nutrition. So we did a lot of fitness style expos with samplings and uh, like other sports nutrition companies, we had a pre-workout uh, and I had uh, a young junior marketing guy that was a competitive Halo player that told me that he and his teammates had great results drinking our pre-workout before competitions. And it was right around the time Modern Warfare, uh, I think it was Call of Duty MW2 was coming out. It was, it was November of 2012. And he said, you know, you have the girls that sent, you sent to the expos, they have these sample packets. My buddy that my teammate manages 11 game stops out here. And back then people would go and, you know, you needed the disc to get to, to play the game and they'd wait online for hours. So we sent the girls to the game stops to sample out the pre-workout. And within the next couple of days, just the honest online, mostly on Twitter, a couple of people started making YouTube videos about it. And the next thing we knew we were e-commerce business and we pivoted immediately. You know, if there's one thing I could say, about being nimble and quick. It was our ability to immediately say, hey, the landscape for selling at GNC and vitamin shops and to wholesalers and Amazon dealers is really competitive. And it's not about who has the best product. And we always, you know, were a little naive in the early days thinking that, you know, we, we knew our products were great, uh, but it didn't mean that you were gonna get a bigger piece of the pie because it was just so deadly cut cutthroat competitive. And we saw all these people that believed each other right? Rather than just paying a celebrity to go out there and say your stuff is good. Like it was an honest opinion. And that third party recognition went so far that it really rang the register immediately. So in the next couple of weeks, we got rid of most of the bodybuilders and fighters and signed our first 19 YouTubers who made videos about 
video games and um uh, by the end of 2012 we after we i started the business in 2004 i've been doing it full time since 06 but at the end of 2012 we made a decision no longer to go after athletes and sports nutrition and to be 100% focused on this emerging market um and that was what we did and in hindsight that turns out to be a great move yeah, I think that's a, an understatement a little bit there. G Fuel is almost synonymous with gaming. I was back at my my old college, the University of Oregon, and they finally embraced esports. And there was a fight almost broke out over a case of G Fuel. I swear, they were there was an argument over whether it was the the gaming club or the business club or who got this G Fuel case, and they were they were getting a little feisty about it. So. G Fuel is definitely something that all gamers are pretty familiar with at this point. You've clearly seen a lot of sponsorships. Uh, if you look at all the the roster, Team Gamma, there's most Twitch channels, it feels like. Uh, just take your pick. Nick Merckx, Keemstar, PewDiePie, whoever, whatever you want to do, they're, they're G Fuel partners. When you have so many partners over the year and now you do a new deal with Enthusiast, how are you making sure each sponsorship feels unique? in a way, and I'm curious both G Fuel's perspective and Enthusiast Gaming's perspective, with there's so many partnerships, how do you make sure each one feels a little special, a little unique to that company or that streamer specifically? So it's definitely complex with um, a deal like with Luminosity versus signing an individual talent. It's much more complex when you're dealing with an org. Um, Minash, Adrian, and some of their team and guys on my team went through player by player on their entire roster and examined each one and looked at them and then thought on an activation, we don't ever like to have somebody jeopardize the integrity of their channel, right? So if they do reviews, they could do a G Fuel review, but we never want anything to be forced. Uh, so I think what makes us good at what we do is the unique content that's all authentic to the individual, to the content creator. And when we're dealing with an org, we go over the roster and we want to make sure that, hey, listen, if, if sometimes you know, when there's 30 guys involved, there might be one or two that either they don't drink caffeine or for whatever reason, they, they don't feel the brand love. And um, we want to know that right out of the gate. We definitely don't want to force anything. We don't want anyone to lie. We don't know anyone to fake it. Um, we were interested in doing a deal with Luminosity and we were okay. I mean, fortunately, most of their guys, like you said, almost everybody now in the world of gaming and esports is familiar with the brand and has tried the products. So that makes it certainly much easier. Uh, but then we str strategize and it, it, we worked on the preparation for this deal was months in the making, going through the roster and figuring out what type of content we'd make, like specifically with the guys in their YouTube house versus the Fortnite streamers, um, and things like that. So uh, they're all individual and that, that's what I think makes them authentic is the fact that it's all unique to that person or to that org. Manash, Adrian, from your perspective, how are you when you bring in a new brand partner? It's a month-long process, as as Cliff says. You know, what are you making? What are you doing to make sure, hey, this launch goes great, and our fans welcome in this new brand partner? I I think what's really important is when you look at G Fuel and you look at uh, just in general the approach that brands and advertisers take um, or products. Um, we feel that G Fuel is like, you know, speaking to Cliff initially and having our, our first meetings and, and seeing his breadth of knowledge, he knows the meta, he knows the culture, he knows the lifestyle, he knows 
exactly, you know, what's going on with the memes, with all of that, he's got a, a different kind of a sense for where, you know, other, other products um, of, you know, big corporations are always trying to figure out how do we engage authentically with the brands and how do we engage authentically with these type of fans that we're getting in front of. What made it exciting for us about G Fuel was the fact that Cliff understands it, gets the guys, gets exactly the type of content, gets what's going to resonate to the point that he was able um, to, to make G Fuel this thing that is, you know, synonymous across gaming, that it's a cool brand, it's sexy. It's like, you know, it's it's not a it's not one of the ones that's difficult where we have to think for the client to like, here's a, a great way that you could add value back. He already knows how he's going to add value back and, and it's we know it's going to resonate. So I think that was something that initially, uh, you know, in the discussions with Cliff, we were able to have a meeting of lines where both sides uh, had a level of trust with each other. You know, Cliff would have a, a level of trust in that that us as an organization, looking at the past four years, how we've grown and continue to grow and continue to invest. He knows that we're swinging for the fences or we're aiming big and we'll continue bringing on additional influencers um, and building our brand. Um, and then on our end, understanding that, you know, Cliff gets it and, and it's a brand that we're, we're not just, you know, figuring out how we're going to work with them, but actually excited to work with them because it's not a hard sell to our players. It's not a hard sell to, to the streamers. So it, it was really just a discussion of like, you know, for this launch, let's just go player by player, influencer by influencer, get them on board. Um, we, we didn't get a, a single drop of resistance from our influencers. They were all uh, actually quite excited about it. Um, you know, put together the video, uh, a lot of the, the larger influencers uh, participated in that. So yeah, this is, this is not one of the more difficult ones because there's just an easy, natural integration between product and fan um, and the influencers in between. So uh, yeah, that, that, that's kind of why, why we've been so excited about the partnership. Absolutely. And there's all this, there's been this talk about all these non-endemic partners, all these non-endemic brands coming into esports recently. What are some of the unique benefits of someone that really does understand the space? It's been in the space, you know, even longer than uh, the Aqualinis for for uh, enthusiasts. And what is like the the added things that you can do with a brand like that where you don't have to do any education about the esports audience about how to connect with these people they already understand it you already understand it so what does that allow you to do that hey you maybe can't do with some other brand partners so for for us you know there's two two important things to mention um because that's a great question and obviously in esports, a lot of attention is put on endemic and non-endemic. And, and quite honestly, before, I think I'm a half dec- half above ha- average intelligence, but until I got involved in esports, I had no idea what endemic meant. Uh, and now it's used so often uh, in this industry. You know, a couple things. One, one of our goals is to build a world-class elite esports organization. And I have to say, there is no greater seal of approval that you're on the right path to achieving that than having G Fuel as a partner, right? They are an iconic brand in this space, and it means the world to us um, that they want to partner with us. So I would say that for starters. 
it, it just resonates throughout the organization, throughout the, the player community. It makes our job to, to find new talent that much easier to know that, you know, G Fuel is our partner. So it has an incredible impact on how we're perceived in the world of esports, and and that you know, there's no brand that that can confer that level of legitimacy uh, than G Fuel. So that would be the first answer to your question. The second answer is that they understand the space so well. I always say, in my career, you know, you spend time, you have to be responsible, you get lawyers, you put an agreement together. Um, but the greatest partnerships are the ones where you never look at that agreement again. And I can say in the first 72 hours, 48 hours of this partnership, you know, we've already come up with three or four ideas that aren't in our agreement that we want to do with G Fuel. Um, Cliff is excited to talk about them. And, you know, that you just can't get that level of engagement so quickly from a non-endemic because, a lot of times, non-endemics are new to the space. You know, Cliff has helped develop the space. Um, the folks at G Fuel have helped create the space. So they know it uh, intimately. And, and that makes brainstorming and, and, and discussions of that nature so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Cliff, when you're working with a new partner, a new esports organization, do you feel like it's usually very natural from the get-go as you bring in a new partner? Uh, well, a lot depends on the personalities. You know, um, I, I spent my, my before G Fuel, uh, I worked on Wall Street and um, managed a lot of different guys. So I can kind of adapt myself to anybody's personality for conversation. Uh, but sometimes you just kind of get a feel for people. Uh, and when I met Minash and his team and I went up to Canada uh, to meet them. And like I said, it, was, it wasn't a month. This is several months ago. Uh, I think it was in December when I was actually up there and we met. So by the, we were already in talks by then. So uh, I got a really good feel for their organization after spending a couple of days with them, having dinner with them, uh, meeting Adrian when, again when he came down to New York. Um, so by the time we got to the document side of the deal, we were so aligned and we had, you know, like what Adrian just said, I, and I appreciate it, it was very complimentary, uh, but it certainly goes both ways. Before, like, so my screening process, before I start diving into a roster and looking at the media coverage and the eyeballs and the metrics for the content from their roster, I, I have to gauge whether or not I even want to do business with the org. So, you know, financial stability, management, those are the things that are way more important on the top of my checklist before I even get to the roster of who they have, because... Like we know, players bounce from team to team and things like that. So the management is where my bet is. And I really felt so comfortable with these guys. Like we all had the same mission. I'm trying to build a billion-dollar beverage brand. These guys are trying to build a billion-dollar org. They're publicly traded. They're smart. Um, so I think that we all felt so comfortable doing business, and that's the way I prefer it. Not that every deal works out like that, and some are very contractual and just go through attorneys and agents, and I don't have a lot of contact with a few of the guys. Um, but my biggest ones I deal with personally, the PewDiePies, the Roman Atwoods, the Phases, um, I speak to them, and the, the reason why we have such long-term um, deals and renew them constantly is because I think they're heavily relationship-based, and we're all going towards the same mission with the same beliefs. 
Certainly. It's uh, really important when you're entering a long-term partnership to be able to work well with the people you're partnering with. That's a given, but not always something that people are able to do. Uh, we've, you know, in the business world, there's plenty of fights between people. So being able to work well, especially in esports where things do move so quickly, is pretty key to have a successful long-term partnership like this one is. And working with people that understand the space. Like we all already said, the business changes quickly. And you can't live and die by a written document. When you write it today with the best intentions, the space changes in six months. What if there's new platforms, right? Where people are migrating over to something different that didn't even exist when we made the document. So um, everybody needs to be flexible. That's how a good partnership works, right? Because that's what I, I don't like to be a paying sponsor. I think that's what differentiates us from the non-endemic beverage company. The only thing that they can do is have a bigger wallet than us. And so they might outspend us, but that money, you know, uh, for us, it's the, the feeling that the attachment from the community to our brand versus how much we can just spend. That's something I, I'm interested in talking to. As all these non-endemics enter the space, how is G Fuel making sure they stand out? And, you know, they do have big wallets. Companies like Pepsi have basically unlimited amounts of sponsorship money. How are you making sure G Fuel stays competitive even as there's so much newfound focus on esports from all these major brands? Well, I think, you know, as I said, we're 100% focused on the space. So I don't, I don't dabble. So yes, they can now spend us in the Pepsis of the world, but this is only, you know, they're still doing snowmobiling and, and surfing and X games and, you know, gasoline powered or fossil fuel powered sports. Um, and gaming is part of what they do. And not only is it a hundred percent of what we do, but the attachment for the influencers, we don't just occasionally put pictures of people on our cans or on our product. We actually formulate flavors um, for our influence. PewDiePie has a flavor, Roman Atwood has a flavor, and there's always a tie-in. You know, Roman goes to the Bahamas, we made a Bahama Mama flavor. There's always a sour chug rug for Phase Rug, Rage and Gummy Fish for Phase Jev. Um, there's, there's some kind of tie-in. You know, Phase Berry for the Phase Guys was our original influencer flavor, but now we've had over a dozen influencer flavors, and there is a certain echelon that's seen now in the space where, you know, clearly PewDiePie could have not had a beverage deal or had any beverage deal. You know, why did he want to do business with G Fuel? You know, he wanted a flavor. Same with Roman Atwood, right? So these are consumers of our products that like us and know us from the space. But ultimately, there's a lot of the influencers are making so much money that the income they get from G Fuel is supplementary, right? In the smaller cases, we certainly have some small up and comers and we love to sponsor people that are not famous yet. And in those cases, they might be using the income from G Fuel to actually pay their rent and to live. But the biggest influencers that get the flavors, our money, they, they probably don't feel it. You know, these are guys that are making seven, eight figures a year already. So um, they have to want to do business with us because it is authentic and it does give them a certain amount of clout and prestige to have a flavor, to have a tub named after you. Interesting. It's not just a traditional sponsorship activation. It's about, you know, you can bring things back to them in a way where they're not just promoting a product. It's actually a mutually beneficial relationship between the two of you. Yes. And it's also worked for us on collabs. As I'm talking to you, I'm drinking a Resident Evil can of Nemesis tea. So one of our flavors in the can uh, we did for Resident Evil and it's called Nemesis tea and it has a character from the game on there. We've done a Doom 
uh, in a powder, spicy demonade. So we've worked with Bethesda, we've worked with Bandai with a typo for their Code Vein game. Um, and we just announced today a collab with Moon Pie. So I, I think that um, our audience sees that as, as hip and trendy and limited edition, and it's all part of the same culture. Um, and I don't think that a bigger brand uh, like the ones we mentioned can compete at that level. And I think that's what makes us authentic in the space. No matter how big we get, I, I feel like that authentic, legitimate tie into the space is something that nobody can outbuy on us. Definitely. And that's why I think with non-endemics, that's the word that everyone's always thrown around is authenticity, authenticity, because it's not a given when it is with G Fuel, where, hey, we're in this space. We don't have to worry about being authentic. We know we are because we've been here so long. And I think that's why it's become such a buzzword for other companies, because they want to have that type of user engagement. When you look at this deal with Enthusiast Gaming, what are some of the unique things? Do you have, you know, you've talked about all these phase flavors you've created and the phase clan partnership goes back a long time. Is there anything you could share with me, unique things you're working on specific for Enthusiast? No, I mean, unlike a traditional org, they have uh, all these websites that they own on the EGLX side, plus the, um, obviously, expos are currently on, on pause. But from an activation side and an event side, they brought together uh, a whole new arsenal of assets that, um, as Adrian Minaj put it, is, is, is at G Fuel's disposal to do creative things and to figure out. That's part of the reason why we're all so flexible on the deal is we know that we're going to try some things that work and try some things that might not be so great and try new things. Um, so uh, that whole side of the business, outside of the gaming side, is, is a bunch of new tools that we can use. Um, and I, th I think that's very unique. Yeah, Minash and, and Adrian, you know, what are you hoping to leverage with the entire Enthusiast brand? And we talked about this a decent amount uh, back in our last podcast, Adrian, but for people who didn't listen to that one, can you run over just the Enthusiast Gaming, the widespread company portfolio and, you know, how that makes the company unique among other esports organizations? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I... Menasha Menasha is on, and he founded the the, the platform. So I, I think he's your best best guy to run through it. Yeah, I think right now, if you look at our platform, we've got um, four different aspects to it. We've got the .com, the websites, uh, some of the largest gaming communities in the world. Um, we've got about uh, one point two billion views in terms of traffic across that monthly. Um, we've got about 900 YouTube channels that we represent, which reach about 25% of YouTube gaming, uh, with over 2.5 billion views. We've got, of course, uh, the luminosity, all the influencers. Um, and then we got 30 events around the world. Uh, thankfully our biggest events took place in January, another one coming up in Q4. Um, yeah, so we are anxious to try to put together some really great engagement methods with, uh, with G Fuel and the communities that we have. So all the websites figuring out what we could do there, a ton of traffic, all with uh, the most passionate type of gamer versus the casual gamer, um, the YouTube channels, uh, of course, the influencers are a traditional way that uh, G Fuel's worked together with orgs 
um, and then the event side too. Like, you know, when, once we all come out of quarantine, there could be some exciting type of activations that we could do together with G Fuel that could be uh, really, really cool for fans. Yeah, there's so much interesting opportunity in what types of events we can do. And especially during quarantine, on one hand, it's been absolutely brutal because it affects us in so many different ways, all these in-person events. But it's also been such an interesting moment for the gaming world as all these entertainment uh, musicians, actors, athletes all begin playing video games. The competitions are being broadcast on ESPN Fortnite's holding a virtual Travis Scott concert that has 27 million unique players tune in over the course of a weekend. How do you see the gaming world evolving? And I know G Fuel has some partners outside of traditional gamers. Riffraff comes to mind immediately. How do you see the gaming world evolving and bringing in these mainstream celebrities, this brushes with music, with art, with actors? Uh, where do you see this going in the coming years? Interestingly, I think, you know, Twitch specifically, I mean, obviously there's plenty of uh, streaming platforms, but Twitch has tried in the last two years to broaden their entertainment horizons. And I've heard, you know, the term saturated from gaming from them on, on multiple occasions. So while I don't really think it's totally saturated, um, clearly it's the most saturated of all the entertainment spaces. They try the Twitch songs and... Um, I don't think they've had a ton of success, but now uh, that DJs and other artists have taken to streaming since COVID, and I think this is, you know, one of the emerging um, pivots of the world right now is that you have, you know, who knows when entertainers are going to come back to work in bars and restaurants and casinos, um, and they've, you know, they're getting tens of thousands of viewers on Twitch. So I think it's great um it's the natural evolution of entertainment i think to live streaming video um and i think the appetite is clearly there um and i think as you know for g fuel previously as a direct to consumer business it made more sense for us to focus on people that were only online where now as we expand with the cans to retail we can you know have people like you know riffraff is an online guy but he doesn't not necessarily like a coupon code kind of click guy. Um, but as we're becoming more of a household name and getting more retail distribution, we can do business with more artists and other people that, but there always is typically a tie-in. Almost all of the artists that we have announced or we are announcing, even if they're not known as gamers, they legitimately play games and they're known for the gaming and there's always the tie-in uh, to gaming. Definitely. It's a great point as we talk about non-endemic brands coming into gaming. Well, gaming going mainstream also allows these brands that have been focused into gaming to uh, realize how many people are playing video games and expand G Fuel into a lot of other areas as well, entertainment and stuff, because of how mainstreaming gaming is becoming with so many musicians and athletes starting up Twitch streams. It's an interesting flip on the, oh, non-endemic brands are coming to esports. Well, endemic esports brands now suddenly have a much wider group of gamers they can partner with for sure adrian minaj how do you guys see this space developing in this entertainment uh overlap with esports as well over the next few years 
let Adrian take that one. Yeah, look, um, it's exciting. I think one of the most exciting things that I've heard recently was that um, studio executives in Hollywood are starting to think about video game characters in the same way that they they thought about uh, comic book superheroes. Um, and we all know that this, the, the industry now is dominated, uh, the, the film industry is dominated by those those superhero comic book movies. And so now they're shifting into looking at video games as that fertile ground to provide that content. And the significance of that is gaming is becoming pervasive. It is becoming um, an everywhere kind of thing um, that is not on the fringes anymore of society, but starting to dominate for society. Look, you know, we all know that, uh, you know, the French soccer players two years ago were doing Fortnite dances in the middle of the World Cup. Um, you and I, Mitch, talked last time about that seminal moment when Drake um, and Ninja um, played Fortnite together and, and how much that meant as a catalyst to the biz, uh, to the industry. You know, for us, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. We, we were doing a charity stream for a hospital in Toronto recently for COVID, and they asked us uh, to produce it. And um, they asked us if they could approach our, some of our shareholders and our celebrities. Um, and initially, we, we wanted to give them a couple of our hockey players. Um, and we certainly didn't want to bother um, Richard Sherman, big superstar. Um, but Sherman found out about it through his agent somehow um, and, and literally almost you know, begged us to get involved because he knew that he was going to be playing with Slack uh, from the Seattle Surge. He was excited to do it. He's also a very philanthropic guy, so I don't want to take away from that. But the excitement that a guy like Richard Sherman has to spend time with Slack um, is just a small indication of how pervasive um, gaming is getting in, in the celebrity stratosphere and in the content stratosphere. So we're going to be involved in all manner of things that we can't even think about right now. You know, we, we started off at Enthusiast and Luminosity saying, look, we have this fabulous audience of 150, 200 million people a month. How can we start selling ads for more money and getting proper compensation? Right. That's how we started. Now, because of COVID, because, you know, people like G Fuel are, are, are doing their part to bring esports stars to Walmart shelves and things like that, which are so impactful, we're starting to get, have conversations about licensing our content. FaZe is, is doing a production, creating a production studio with, um, you know, Hollywood directors, right? Like this is where it's going um, and it's super, super exciting. Um, and we're going to be in the middle of it. I find it to be just an awesome time to be in esports as these brands evolve past just holding teams. Enthusiast, a great example. Phase starting up a TV studio. 100 Thieves becoming really popular streetwear collection. It's really an awesome time to be in esports and gaming as companies are really evolving. And again, Adrian, we talked about a lot of this on that last podcast. If you want a more in-depth conversation on all these different ways esports is evolving, check out that podcast. It should be just three or four down on this list, wherever you're listening to this one. Uh, but it's really just a great time to be in esports and gaming. And I think a lot of people 
you know, COVID notwithstanding, there's so many unite unique things and awesome things happening that we're just excited to see how things continue to develop. And while hot, tough decisions do have to be made, like the Titans releasing or the release of the Titans roster, it's uh, still just a great time to be in esports and gaming and things are evolving and moving so quickly, just like they always have in esports, but more in the public frame these days. So just a great time to be in esports. I don't really have a question for this. I'm just stoked to be in this industry. Same. Part, part of it is also with this crossover, it's not just like, hey, you know, Twitch, let's throw up some entertainers on there, uh, some musicians. A lot of these people are actually gamers themselves. That's why they want to get involved with it, right? So the, the brand ambassadors that we have, uh, they get involved because they actually love gaming, not just because they're you know, just another pretty face with a lot of followers. Uh, and that's what's really exciting about the music scene too, is that a lot of them want to get involved because they love video games. It's part of, you know, it's, this isn't like 40, 50 years ago where, you know, TV movies were, were the only, were the primary form of entertainment gaming is now the primary form of entertainment. So, uh, you know, all these guys have grown up with it and it's just part of their identities and part of their passion. Yeah. My favorite quote I've ever received in, in my career, I was talking to Michael B. Jordan about investing in, an esports company. He goes, Oh, Call of Duty. Anybody who knows Call of Duty knows that's my shit. I was like, that's it. That's 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 why this space is so cool because people love to play video games. And now that so many people are doing it and there's so many cool ways for these athletes to get involved, to play games, to do charity streams, it's just been great to see gaming, which everyone was already doing anyway, really get the shine it's deserved for quite a long time. But I want to wrap up this show here. I got to be conscious of all your times. I got three executives on my one podcast. So I appreciate you all coming on. I want to give you a chance to plug whatever you'd like to plug. Cliff, can we start with you? You know, I think everybody's aware of G Fuel, but what would you like to plug here? Uh, well, we just dropped our 46th flavor yesterday of the powder, which is our new bubble gum. Um, so if, I, I know it sounds kind of weird, but it really is delicious. Uh, and I think we have our uh, PewDiePie cans that come out next week. Uh, but more importantly, I guess I would tell people to, uh, we came out, uh, or I should really say the Luminosity guys came out with a really nice piece of content to announce the partnership. So if you guys haven't checked out the video or trolled those social medias, just uh, follow LG and follow G Fuel. And um, we have a lot of cool stuff coming out. So that's really kind of where to stay tuned. I'll put that video down in the description for any of you guys if you want to check it out. It was a very cool video and i'm excited for flavor 46 you got any special plan for number 50 no i don't actually i haven't uh i have more than enough flavors in queue to figure out which one the 50th one will be but no haven't even thought about it <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it i'm coming up with my 100th episode and i have no idea what i'm doing either <laughs> well thank you so much for having me as a guest this was definitely enjoyable i'll have to check out some of the previous podcasts uh, and Manasha and uh, Adrian, always good to catch up with you guys. And um, my entire team is really stoked for this, uh, for the stuff that we have coming out. So we, we have some really cool stuff. Your, your listeners will have to uh, stay tuned, but we're going to do some cool shit together. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Manash, uh, it looks like we lost Adrian. So I guess you're going to do the sign off for Enthusiast. Yeah. I mean, first of all, in terms of latest news, we want to plug plug our announcement yesterday with G Fuel. That's that's pretty exciting for us. That's 
we're still in the afterglow of that. Um, but of course, we're, we we constantly we have a, a full slate of, of announcements, um, some stuff specifically Twitch related, uh, live streamed, um, unique forms of content and content activations with LG uh, that you know we should be announcing over the next week or so or a couple of weeks. Um, so we hope everyone can tune into those, and I think everyone will find them pretty exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you both for coming on the show. It was great talking to you. That's it for the C-Sports Network podcast. I'll be back next week with two new episodes, uh, 98 and 99. Stay tuned for whatever the hell I decide to do for number 100. Thank you all for listening, as always.